0: Father in heaven, we thank you for your spirit that comes and blesses us and for the ways we've been blessed already in this service. Now, Lord, there's a chance today for us to face up to reality, but then also receive a deliverance. I pray that our hearts will be open, and by the end today, our spirits will be delivered. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. It's the story of when we humans gained the knowledge of evil. We had the knowledge of good before. God had made this good world, but it was in this moment that we humans gained the knowledge of evil. And at the time, it seemed like something you would want to know. But I would suggest to you, history has shown, we were a lot better off before the knowledge of evil. We've been doing a lot of living with the exposing of the knowledge of evil lately, have we not? In the news, it's always an interesting time whenever society discovers sin again. And it turns out society has discovered sin again. This time we call it sexual harassment. Bill Cosby, Harvey Weinstein, John Conyers, Matt Lauer, Roy Moore. That's just to name a few. Don't name any more. I'll bet that today those I named and many more wish they had listened to Paul's counsel. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more, for you know what instruction we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all who commit such sins, as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you His Holy Spirit. I don't know how it all started. For these guys, if we felt like being merciful, we might be inclined to look for reasons such as relational brokenness in these men's pasts, or, or even potentially instances where they were targets of some sort of mistreatment or abuse. But we won't do that for these men because these aren't exactly merciful times if you're a sexual harasser, are they? We've kind of decided it's time to crack down. And don't mistake my words as a subtle call for mercy. I mean, what mercy did they show? Not much. And does not Scripture itself, what I just read, does not Scripture itself warn that the Lord will punish all those who commit such sins? What I want you to understand here in looking at these examples is that this is the destruction that the knowledge of evil brings. How does it happen? Well, there's a passage in Romans that explains how this happens to a person. How you become, through the knowledge of evil, a great sinner. Now, we jump down to verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. Verse 28, furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. It pretty well describes it, doesn't it? They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. Oh, wait a minute now. I thought we were talking about them, right? Uh Uh-oh, it's about to get personal. So God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. Now, most people aren't all that stuff, but pretty much all of us are some of it, right? And now watch this next part. This is an amazing little phrase here in the Bible. Because here's what happens to you when the knowledge of evil gets in your head. After a while, it's not enough to just do the bad thing you did before. you got to take it further, right? And here it goes. They invent ways of doing evil. Like maybe installing a button under your desk to lock your door, huh? Clever. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. This is what the knowledge of evil does to the human mind. And I'll bet if you would be honest today, you would have to admit, you know exactly what I'm talking about because there are ways in my life and there are ways in your life where the knowledge of evil has gotten in your head and it tortures you day after day after day the knowledge of evil is enough to drive a sane person completely mad revelation 6 verse 12 I watched as he opened the sixth seal there was a great earthquake the sun turned black like sackcloth made from goat hair The whole moon turned blood red and the stars in the sky fell to earth as figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Now watch what the knowledge of evil in the mind does. Watch this then the kings of the earth the princes the generals the rich the mighty and everyone else both slave and free hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains they called on the mountains and the rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of their wrath has come and who can withstand it the knowledge of evil causes you to want to hide from the only one who can deliver you from evil. It happened in the garden, right? As soon as they gained the knowledge of evil, what did they do when God came? They hid. This is what the knowledge of evil does to you. The lie of the devil in the garden was that knowing evil is something good, something to be desired. The truth is, The knowledge of evil will destroy your life, and the degree to which you harbor evil in your mind will be in direct proportion to how tortured your soul will be every day of your life. I'll give you an example of what I mean here. Addictions. No one becomes addicted to a substance without experientially knowing how that substance will affect their mood, their body, or their emotions. That's how you become addicted. You experience it, you gain the knowledge, and the addiction grows. This knowledge of evil can seem harmless the first time. Go ahead, it's not going to hurt you. Just one time, right? But in the end, even if the addiction doesn't kill you, it leaves behind a person who will forever struggle against an undying craving for something they should never have known in the first place. Living with addiction is miserable. Is this what Solomon was getting at? Ecclesiastes 1, verse 18, with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. Do we know too much? The knowledge of evil. You know, just kind of an aside here. This is why the Adventist church has chosen to teach abstinence over moderation when it comes to things like alcohol consumption our prohibition is is based not on an irrefutably clear biblical mandate but rather it's based on our keen awareness of the power of the knowledge of evil no one who never drank ever became addicted to alcohol you know that right right but the one who does become addicted is cursed to endure a lifelong yearning, even if they spend the rest of their life abstaining from the addiction. You want to not have to quit smoking, easiest way, don't start. You want to not be an alcoholic, easiest way, don't drink. And as the headlines have shown us, knowledge of evil leading to indulgence of the flesh can cause otherwise respectable folks to do some mighty, disrespectful things. Kind of hate to say this with Ariel here, because Bill Cosby's still a guy we like at our house. We love the Cosby Show, right? Respectable people with the knowledge of evil do some pretty disrespectful things. And thank the Lord it isn't yours and my sins that have been exposed, right? I mean, wow. What a relief. So here's my question. Do you want out? Wouldn't you love to be delivered from the person the knowledge of evil has made you to be. You felt what Paul felt. You know what he means. Romans seven twenty four. Oh, wretched man that I am! Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? If you've never felt this, you've never been honest with yourself. But unfortunately, the regeneration of our minds and bodies from vessels for the knowledge and practice of evil into vessels for good is not a transformation we can achieve on our own. Yet we're not left on our own because the very next verse in Romans, verse 25, says, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. And this is how our deliverance came to be. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them." Who was this child? You know, that was a question that Joseph had asked, right? In fact, that was such a real question that an angel had to come and tell Joseph who this child was. Now why was that? It's because everybody in that day had a knowledge of evil, didn't they? And everybody in that day knew exactly why a young woman who wasn't married ended up pregnant, right? That's what a knowledge of evil teaches you. That's what Joseph knew. Until the angel came, Matthew 1 verse 20, Joseph son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. The question we asked is, who is this child? Well, here comes the answer. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins that's who the child was because he will save his people from their sins saved from my sins and suddenly with those words back come rushing all the misery that my knowledge of evil has cost me and all the guilt and the shame and knowing that it isn't just those whose sins have been made known that deserve condemnation but it is me as well for whether you know details or not I do not stand before you as a man without sin in fact I'm not even worthy to cast the first stone even at those guys whose names I read Oh wretched man that I am who shall deliver me from the body of this death who who Luke chapter 2 verse 8 and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night I hope I've shown well enough today that the knowledge of evil brings great grief and sometimes great loss. But that's not where I want to leave us today. Yes, the knowledge of evil has brought great grief, but did you hear what the angel said? The angel said, I bring you good news that will cause great joy so do you want the kind of news that will bring you great grief or do you want the kind of news that will bring you great joy desire of ages page 317 when Satan tells you that you are a sinner and cannot hope to receive blessing from God tell him that Christ came into the world to save sinners. We have nothing to recommend us to God. But the plea that we may urge now and ever is our utterly helpless condition that makes His redeeming power a necessity. What is it about you that makes Jesus want to save you? It's the fact that you can't save yourself. And He wants you you saved so don't bring your list of good he's not impressed at all bring your honest confession that i cannot save myself lord jesus that's what he wants to hear renouncing all self-dependence we may look to the cross of calvary and say in my hand no price I bring simply to thy cross I claim the knowledge of evil has not been good for us in fact the knowledge of evil has caused us great grief but that's not what I want you to dwell on you know that well enough I have a different message for you today. For behold, I bring you good news that will cause great joy to all people. And here it is. In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. And he has come to save his people from their sins. Jesus has come to deliver you. Let's pray. O oh, holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. Amen.